0: Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If well, you turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 17, we'll be in the very last part of Matthew 17, in verse 24 through the end of the chapter. Um I have a great privilege. One of my great privileges is that I am the son of a pig farmer <laughs> that that has great benefits being the son of a pig farmer. Uh, we never have an empty freezer we've always got meat to eat and guess what um, Because I'm my father's son, he doesn't charge me for the pig. I mean, isn't that great? We've we've got plenty to barbecue. We've got plenty of bacon uh, until it runs out because that's the first thing to go, right? Uh, We've got sausage. We've got all this wonderful pork to eat because my father is a farmer who raises pigs and I get to partake in the fruit of that labor because I'm his son. Now, somebody else who wants to get a butcher hog from him is going to pay for it. But for me, I'm his son. So he lets me have it. In fact, sometimes I have to pay for the processing, but sometimes when he knows it's really tough, he pays for the processing too. I mean, this is a great privilege to be the son of, of a pig farmer. There's something that relates to that here in our text today. Because Jesus is the Son of God. And there's a tax that is being inquired about. And Jesus' answer is, when, when the, from whom do the sons of this world... The, of, of, the, Whom whom do the kings of this world take a tax? Do they take it from their sons or from others? Jesus says the sons are free. So they don't have to pay the tax. He's the son of God. He doesn't have to pay this, but so that others are not offended, he makes a way to pay this tax. We'll go ahead and look at our text today. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him at uh, first saying, what do you think, Simon, from whom do the kings of of the earth take toll or tax from their sons or from others? And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to understand it. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. or give us hearts that love your word, that understand and wants to obey your word. Father, give me grace and strength as I preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. When they come to Capernaum, it begins. Jesus had been to Capernaum before. In fact, that is probably his kind of base of operations where, where he had a, a kind of a home base set up. When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to him. Now, what is this two drachma tax? Um, you know, if your, if your Bible has a, a caption ahead of it, um, At least in the ESV, I don't know what everybody has, but in the caption above mine, it says the temple tax. You don't find that in the text, but it's important for us to understand that's what it is. This two drachma tax that he's talking about is not a tax from the Romans. Whenever Jesus talks about a tax from the Romans, remember, there's the story of where someone asked, you know, do you have to pay taxes to Caesar? Someone's trying to trip Jesus up, and Jesus says, show me a coin. Whose image is on it? Whose inscription is on it? Jesus says, then give to Caesar what is Caesar, and give to God what is God's. Here, he has a different response, because this is not a tax that goes to the Roman government. This is a religious tax. This is part of the tithe that we read about in the Old Testament. This religious tax, this temple tax, was taken so that it would pay for the religious services of the temple. It would go to to provide for the Levites, as it's mentioned in the text that Ron read from. It would go to pay for the priests. It would go even to pay for the salaries of rabbis. And Jesus, though He was not a Trained rabbi, he was a great teacher. So that's why this collector comes and asks Peter, "Does your teacher pay this two drachma tax?" The the this tax collector he sees Jesus. He's this great teacher, this famous teacher. He's wondering, is he going to pay this same tax because it, it, it goes to pay for. The rabbis and the teachers and all the religious um, servants in the temple and everything like that. So is he going to pay this? Um, Or the words that he says is, does your teacher not pay the tax? And Peter says, yes. I'm assuming that the grammar of this, it, it means Peter saying well, it's hard to tell here, isn't it? Because the, 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 the word here, the, the sentence that the, the tax collector says, does he not pay the tax? And Peter says, yes. So I'm assuming he's saying he doesn't pay the tax, that Jesus is not paying this tax. Well, um, Peter comes into the house. He comes into the house. Now, what house is this? We might just think it's just some kind of generic house there. And maybe it is, but we know something about Capernaum. Capernaum is where the house of Peter's mother-in-law was. When earlier in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, Peter, uh, his mother-in-law, was sick with a fever and Jesus came into the house and healed her. So maybe this was Peter's mother-in-law's house that they came. Maybe this was their base of operations that they had set up as as they had gone out into uh, different places and Jesus traveled in his ministry. So when Peter comes into the house, Jesus anticipates Peter. Says when he came into the house, Jesus spoke first to him, and the the word there in the Greek actually has this anticipating sense. He's he's he knows Peter's coming in, and he's getting ready to ask him before Peter even says anything. He asks him first, "What do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others?" I've already kind of explained this, but. Caesar. Well, who does he take tax from? Is he going to tax his own children that live in the household with him? Or is he going to tax other people? Well, common sense answer. Well, of course, he's going to tax other people. He's not going to tax his own sons. Yeah, they're benefits, they're beneficiaries, right? They're beneficiaries of this tax. They're not going to go and tax the very people who are the beneficiaries. And then when Peter gives the answer, he says, from others, Jesus says, then the sons are free. What this text is, if we have the eyes to see it, I think Jesus here is making a divine claim. He's saying, I don't have to pay the tax. I'm not bound to this tax. I am the son of God. I am the one who this tax is going to. I'm the recipient, not the one who pays it, because he's the son of God. Not only that, but we are sons and daughters as well, aren't we? John chapter 1 tells us, to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, and be called sons of God. That's a little bit down the road, but think about this. This tax was an Old Testament regulation. Tithing was an Old Testament regulation. Jesus here is saying, He's the Son, and He's free from this Old Testament regulation. I think also, believers, we are sons and daughters of God. So, We are not bound to an Old Testament regulation. Um, People ask today, is tithing something that Christians should still do? Well, I think this goes right along with what I normally say. Tithing is an Old Testament institution. It is an Old Testament law. The believer, we are not bound by the Old Testament law. Now, does that mean... We don't give generously? No. No. Paul talks about when we come together on the first day of the week, we bring our gifts. He, he wants us to be, God wants us to be cheerful giving. I believe that in the New Testament era, the, the, the legal requirement of the tithe is now replaced with cheerful giving. We give cheerfully from the heart. We give sacrificially, but we don't have to sit there and, you know, figure out exactly what a tithe of our income would be. I believe, now, I practice it. I do practice it, but not because I feel that it is required, but because, well, as some have said, if 10% was good enough for the Old Testament for the Old Covenant, where people weren't even filled with the Spirit, then 10% ought to be a good place to start for believers. Enough about tithing. The point here, Jesus was making a claim. He is the Son of God. He is free from having to do that. And so, He tells Peter, so that we don't offend He doesn't want to give offense, So he tells Peter, go and go fishing. Peter's job, he's a fisherman. Now Peter, normally when he would go fishing, what would he do? He would throw a net out. He'd 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 go out into the boat. He'd throw a net out. He'd pull in a big catch of fish, right? This was not like that. Jesus says, throw a line out with a hook. He says, throw a line out with a hook. This is not you're fishing with a big net, trying to catch everything you can. And as he throws this line out with a hook, Jesus says, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it for me and for yourself. A shekel was a four drachma coin. It uh, It would be twice the amount for one person to pay that. So that's why Jesus says that would be enough to pay for both Peter and for Jesus for this tax. And they are doing this not to offend the Jews of the day. But just consider what this miracle takes. Jesus here is showing His power as the Son of God. He is showing his sovereignty. Now, maybe we might think of this as if Peter just catches a fish and all of a sudden he opens up the mouth and this this coin just magically appears in the fish's mouth. I don't think that's what's going on here. Jesus is ruler over all the universe. He rules all over every circumstance in the whole world. Jesus said, a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without my father's knowledge of it. So somehow, Jesus in his infinite wisdom knew that somebody had dropped a coin into the water. And he knew that fish, that very fish, and he commanded that fish. Just like Jesus or just like the Lord could command the fish that came and swallowed Jonah. Jesus commanded that fish to go and swallow up that coin. Who knows how long before this had ever, ever occurred this happened. It could have been weeks before it ever happened. And this fish, Jesus then commanded, out of all the other fish in the ocean, out of all the other fish in the sea, and it wasn't the ocean, it was probably the Sea of Galilee, out of all the other fish in the sea, come and bite on Peter's hook. Not anybody else's, but Peter's hook. Before any other fish could get to it. And Peter draws this fish out, and inside is this coin that Jesus. Not only knew about but sovereignly made fall in the water, sovereignly made be be uh, swallowed by this fish, and so- sovereignly made bite that line that's amazing. Jesus was showing not only was he claiming he's the Son of God, and so he's free, but he's also demonstrating that he's the Son of God in how he has them pay this tax. The final thing I want to think about. He he claims to be the Son of God. He demonstrates that He's the Son of God. But one other thing we need to notice here is He does not want us to bring any offense besides the offense of the cross. Now, the text before this the one we looked at last week, said verse verse twenty two, as they were entering Galilee, Jesus said to them, "The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and then be and be raised. He'll be raised on the third day." And they were greatly, defend, um, greatly distressed. The cross was an offense. Jesus was as. The, the, the New Testament tells us, the stone which the builders rejected. He was the stumbling stone which the religious leaders fell over. So Jesus was definitely an offense. But in this matter, Jesus did not want to bring offense. He, he was telling His disciples that yes, the Gospel will be offensive to man. 1 Corinthians tells us the Gospel is foolishness to man, but it is the wisdom of God. It will be offensive to human beings, but whatever offense we put before man, it must be the cross of Christ. It must be the Gospel. It cannot be other things. What do I mean by other things? Sometimes we get... Picky. We get nitpicky. We argue as church members over the smallest things sometimes. We bring an offense to those who look look in from outside the church and they think, I don't want to be a part of that. You guys call yourselves Christians? You can't even get along? That's not the kind of offense... That the gospel brings. The gospel is offensive enough. The fact that the gospel tells us. We are sinners. We are sinners. And we deserve hell. That is offensive enough. We don't have to bring more offense. By the way we treat one another. or the way we. Maybe. Um, in certain contexts. some Sometimes. A church might put a sign up saying no food or drink inside the sanctuary. Okay? Now, I understand not everybody may have the same opinions here, but just imagine an unchurched person who's walking up to come into the church. They're a visitor. They've never been here before. Maybe they're an unbeliever and they're coming in and they see... On the wall, as they first come in, a sign that says no food or drink, and they're coming with a coffee in their hand. And they think, I guess I better turn around and go back because I can't come in. Sometimes the things we do as as a church can have a tendency to push people away. Let no offense be there except for the cross of Christ. The Gospel is offensive enough. Or sometimes we can fall into legalistic rules. Legalistic rules. What do I mean by legalism? I think there's two things that define legalism. One, when one is trying to find acceptance before God based on our own work instead of the work of Christ. That's one form of legalism. And if all we preach is law, 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 do this, do this, and we don't lift up the cross of Christ where we find forgiveness and grace, that's one form of legalism. Another form of legalism is when we expect people to follow rules that are not in the bible For instance Now, I could get in trouble here, but I don't I think I'm safe in this room. I can get in trouble in some places. But for instance, what does the bible teach about alcohol? Okay? Now, I believe that the bible forbids drunkenness. The, the the bible teaches us be filled with the spirit not drunk with wine okay it tells us that but we also have jesus making wine at his first at his his first miracle and and we see so much positive about that now personally maybe this is so that i don't offend i am a teetotaler I don't drink alcohol at all. I've never tasted this stuff myself. But I don't believe that is a requirement on every Christian. I think it's a wise thing to do for myself and for many others, but it is not a requirement on every Christian. What is a requirement on every Christian? That we are filled with the Spirit and not drunk with wine. That we avoid anything that... that would bring our minds into an altered state of consciousness. That is something we want to avoid. Another thing. Pants. (laughs) Now, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that here, I don't believe. But there have been times in generations past when if a woman wore pants, no way... No way. That that was scandalous if a woman would wear pants. No. Legalism, like I said, one way of legalism, it's when we are trying to find our acceptance before God in the things we do rather than on the basis of what Christ has done. But another form of legalism is when we expect other Christians to follow rules that are not in the Bible. And that is one way that we can bring offense. And we don't want to do that. The cross is offensive enough. Open our arms to this community. Make this the most welcoming place here in this town. Make this a place <laughs> where everybody knows your name. <laughs> Because the cross is offensive enough. So, as we conclude, Jesus, He is the Son of God. And as sons and daughters of God, we are free from Old Testament regulations, free to live in the light of the Gospel as sons and daughters of the King. And... Jesus demonstrated his power as the Son of God. And finally, let us bring no offense except for the offense of the cross. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church in Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.